Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Savo here, host. In today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder and CEO of Fossil Outdoor, Everett. Jesse, Everett, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, for sure. Great to be here. So for the listener that um, has not heard of Fossil Outdoor, how would you best describe uh, your brand to them? We're a, a growing company that's trying to focus on solving common pain points in the outdoor industry. That's basically how we were born. Um, it, it wasn't really looking for a business or, 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 or trying to do that. I participate in the outdoors quite a bit and there was a problem I was encountering and I, you know, wanted to fix it. And so, uh, but we're going to continue, uh, to basically just find ways to solve those pain points, but be as environmentally friendly or environmentally responsible as possible. And, and that's our goal. So tell me about this this original product you guys started off with. Um, how did you come up with the idea, and how, how did you um, test it, and then get it to the point where you're now selling it um, online? Yeah. So uh, actually, a little bit of backstory about uh, you know six or seven years ago, I I encountered a little bit of uh, or a pretty big health problem my kidneys failed and there was some sort of a systematic issue with that was going on with my uh, uh my neurological system and i was trying to figure out ways to to deal with that to to deal with the kidney failure and i was researching a lot and i read that there was a chance that you could prevent further damage or reverse the damage that was done by adopting a, a, a better diet and an active lifestyle. So I basically forced myself to, even though I was in quite a bit of pain due to whatever the neurological problem was, uh, to go outside and to uh, be part of the outdoors. And at first I was just you know walking around, but then it grew into hiking uh cycling and then mountain biking and uh as i as i i actually healed through that i became uh you know a fairly good outdoor enthusiast uh after you know in juxtaposition to my 20s when i was addicted to call of duty and madden football and fairly sedentary i was you know experiencing a, a whole new lifestyle and that meant that the whole all the gear came with it. So I uh, and uh, hydration is important when you have kidney issues. So I always had a hydration backpack close by. And after each of my activities, I'd go and rinse the hydration bladder, put it on my paper towel dispenser uh, to air dry, and it looked like this cluttered mess because my house isn't really that big. And so you always had this presence of these odd bladders, you know, floating around. Uh, and it, 
And it just kind of bothered me. I was like, there, there has to be a better way to deal with this issue. And uh, so I have a background in engineering and earth science um, as, as well as a degree in finance, but the, the background in the, the engineering and earth science kind of created this, this problem solving in my head that if I can't bring, if bringing the air to the water is inefficient and causes me a problem, what if I brought the water to the air? And so then I thought of, I conceptualized the idea of our product, which is called bone dry. And I uh, started experimenting with, you know, different fibers that might be able to transport moisture, uh, not just absorb it quickly, but transport it through itself or, or wick it through the body of the, the product and then uh, bring it to the air where it could be evaporated. And, and that's what the, the bone dry does is it allows you to rinse your hydration bladder, insert bone dry, it absorbs all the moisture and then it wicks it to the top where it evaporates to the air. And that allowed me to, once I, you know, basically figured out the, the right combination of fibers, um, it allowed me to uh, be able to just rinse my bladder and put my gear away immediately and not have its presence on the counter or, or in the freezer. <laughs> So. Yeah, it's interesting. It, being a mountain biker, we've ha we have this issue a lot. <laughs> we actually have yeah. a few bone dries right now in well in my bladder and in oh, Matt's good. bladder <laughs> because it, it's such a pain in the butt. Being like, if you're not using it regularly and you put it away and then you pull out your bladder after like a few weeks, you're like, oh, totally just ruined this bladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a funky presence to it, and then the the scrubbing and the bleaching and the stuff you can do it after the fact didn't really seem to like work that great but it also like it it it's hard <laughs> you're <laughs> you know, right to, yeah you know to, to reduce the steps and just make it you know easy and it's odd that to me again that it just hasn't existed before um it i mean this hydration bladder technology has been around what 25 30 years and you know, since, since I was a young kid and, uh, you know, they, this drying issue has never been really correctly addressed. And, you know, you, you see a lot of, uh, one of our main negative feedback isn't about the actual product. Um, it's about the, uh, it, it's just, you know, people and their techniques and how they've dealt with it throughout the years. And they go, well, you know, I've just always done this. And yeah, I mean, you can keep doing that, but it seems like a big pain to have to, you know, have, <laughs> have it all over your kitchen and you're basically putting it away twice. Yeah. Uh, it's so know, true. You should just be able to put it away once. Okay. So tell me a little bit about the, uh, um, prototyping process. Obviously, this is the bone dry is a product that's never existed before. How long did it take you to get it to the point where it's operating exactly how you you want it to? Well, it, I'd say since the time I conceptualized it to 
maybe close to a year. Um, I, I think I had a conceptual basis for it where I was starting to run tests on, you know, could this type of idea work? And I did that with like really, I mean, it was really rudimentary at the beginning. It's just like stuffing st fabric in there and, and then seeing how it behaved. And, uh, and then, uh, moving down the road a little bit, you had to, you know, make it something that a consumer would, would actually buy. And so I, I had an idea of how to combine it and how the engineering of the inside of it would work. And, uh, it basically resulted me in buying, borrowing my, uh, my next door neighbor's sewing machine and sitting down and sewing uh, fabric myself and I hadn't done that since middle school like Comac and, and uh, so learning how to use the sewing machine and I Sounds created <laughs> yeah yeah I, I created some of what uh, by any seamstress's standards would be the most atrocious and the ugliest uh, <laughs> <laughs> creations but they were they were functional you know and they they helped to uh basically show and and they they got better over time i got it to a point where i was you know hey this this looks like something someone might buy and then i gave it out to a couple of my friends and said because i was it was kind of one of those situations of like hey the the kind of the reverse of I know there's a problem with my car. And then when you take it into the shop, there's no problem with your car. I was afraid of that kind of happening of like, Hey, it works for me and it works really well, surprisingly well, but will it work for other people? So I gave it to a bunch of friends and got their honest critiques. And, and some of them were a little bit more honest than I wanted them to be. You know, they beat me up a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it helped me to, you know, I, I basically, you know, took, took all that advice to heart and I, I really adjusted, you know, how it, how it was being put together. And then I, uh, I found, uh, you know, some, some real seamstresses and with the model for the prototypes that I had created, they were, they were able to create a, uh, a, a prototype that we could actually sell or a final prototype. And that final prototype, I still use it. Um, primary reason for that is I'm trying to figure out how long this thing lasts. That's one of our most common questions. It's how long does it last? And I, the, the, the honest answer to that uh, is I don't know. <laughs> 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 but, but I, uh, you know, I'm working to find out and that's why, why I'm still using it. So, and how long have you been using it at this point? A little over a year, and and I use it more than the the typical person might use a a bone dry. You know, I I'm fairly active, but then I also put it under some stress testing, you know, and demonstrations and videos and stuff like that to basically, you know, see if I can. You know, when's it going to wear out? What's that going to look like? You know, how can I disclose that to customers? One of the major gaffes in my company, or mis I don't know if you can call it a mistake, but I, I was trying, I had best intentions. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> based on some manufactured data of the fibers that we used, I guess that it would uh, last six months. And I put that on the packaging and ordered 10,000 packages. Oh, wow. And uh, after about six months, it was pretty clear that that wasn't correct. <laughs> oh, no. And, and then... And then, even worse, a lot of our customers would kind of get ticked off. They'd they'd read the packaging because I wasn't. I stopped advertising that. You know, I did disclose it on our FAQs, but really, if we're all being honest, who reads FAQs? Uh, it, and so they would, you know, get fairly upset, and they'd say, "This only lasts six months." You didn't tell us. And uh, I, <laughs> I was like, "Well, here's the story." Uh, you know, I, we're a small company to, uh, call back all of the packaging would be catastrophic. So I figured, uh, you know, apologizing to you in this way would be better than, you know, the financial disruption of, of dealing with that. So that was, that was something I deal with early on or a mistake. And so it, those are the hard ones. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> those stress you out. I can only imagine how like just uncomfortable that that situation can put you in with with customers. Because at the end of the day, you're like, I I did this to try and help people, and now the people who are buying it are somewhat ticked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Originally, I had the best intentions, but uh, you know, I was trying to disclose like, hey, this might not last forever. Right. Um, but and it's uh. It, one of the other, you know, funny things about it is um, there's we kind of had to make a uh, there's a value engineering play that I had to do with it. Um, it's pretty common for like certain brands of or of hydration bladders to have a partition in the dead center in it. Uh, so Camelbacks, uh, Platypus, I think has these but there's a partition in there and that means putting a bone dry inside is a little bit difficult so uh what i to create like a we did make a prototype where uh there was a split in the center that could so you could slide it on either side of that partition and it would operate you know correctly but to sew that in made it too expensive to, and created a problem of, you know, we couldn't get profitable, with it. And at least in the early goings with the volumes we could uh, produce. And uh, so a value engineering movie did is you'll, you'll notice on, on your bone drives, but for the people at home, there's two seams on, in the center of it. And those seams are structural in a way, but they're also there so that you can cut between them and uh, then slide. And it makes your bone dry look like a small pair of pants. And then and you can slide it on both sides of that partition and it will work correctly. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, so that's, a, that's one of those moves of like, you know, I could make it perfect or I could get it and maybe never get it to market or I could 
create this value engineering compromise uh, and get it to market and it, it still works. Uh, do I like it? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I, I like the fact it works really well, but I really hate the idea that people are having to cut the bone dry and, and go through that issue. And, uh, I think that, uh, our, our customers so far, They've been extremely gracious and understanding that we're a growing company. They've been on board with uh, the idea that, hey, there's some value. That was a value engineering issue. And uh, I've, I've been very humbled and uh, appreciative to them for, for bearing with us until we can grow to a point where you know we can afford to maybe do it in the ideal way. For sure. Now let's talk about that growth. You you spent a good amount of time prototyping the bone dry. How did you go about building your customer base? Is it all direct to consumer? Are there specific channels that have really um, proven to work for you as you've grown? Yeah. So, um, I I'm really fortunate to be able to have. Uh, I, I have a friend of mine who ran a direct to consumer business. It's a women's hair products company. And he's basically taught me everything he knows about direct to consumer. And so uh, I basically followed a lot of his game plan. And so our, our sales are basically um, mostly through our website and then, and then Amazon. Um, and we sell, and we market that through Instagram, Facebook, Google. Uh, we've recently added TikTok, um, and and basically, uh, it's a lot of for me personal interaction with our customers because I I still handle the customer service myself. Um, but yeah, that's that's our primary sales channel at the moment. We do have. Uh, uh, two uh, small uh, retail shops that have picked us up. We're always looking for more. Uh, gaining those contracts, though, is a little bit harder than I anticipated. So, uh, and and it's kind of one of those learning experiences too. I, I think a lot of them, they look at this product, they're like, "Yeah, that that's neat. Your your customers." seem to enjoy it but uh i i think they want us to be a little bit more proven before they you know go for more wide adoption for sure no i totally understand that now i since we're recording this episode uh, this episode on october 1st 2020 i want to ask you how covid has affected uh your business and you know maybe what sort of takeaways and learnings you've had from running a business through a pandemic <laughs> yeah um it, it well first uh is it it's helped us to uh, our products kind of a, a hygienic product anyway um from the standpoint of you know you're putting it somewhere where you're uh it you it, you're putting it in something that you drink out of. So it's important to us to you know keep 
things clean and sanitary from from that aspect so that always existed but um one of the interesting things is is that uh it's kind of been fortuitous in in a lot of strange ways one is that we haven't had to have a, a warehouse facility or a central location where we uh gather all of our sewing machines uh our seamstresses or or uh are all basically doing it out of their garages uh and and so <laughs> that's that's been kind of a, a fortunate thing because it they seem to enjoy it because it allows them a little bit more family contact and then it allows uh us to benefit from low overhead because we don't have to pay for a facility um and then as far as the marketing side i think it's helped out because people have just you know been on their phones a little bit more and and had been able to see our ads uh, and so as a new company to be, to be able to just get eyes on a product because that are unfortunately the bone dry is really not intuitive you don't look at it know exactly what to do with it you know you, you kind of have to experience the story you have to have be, be exposed to it you know so, several times to uh to you know be able to know what you do with it and then and then to then decide to buy it so um that must make ads pretty challenging doesn't it it, it does uh because you really have to tell the story fast um and and i'm kind of a long-winded guy um <laughs> so, <and> so <laughs> So, you know, I've, I've benefited from having some people uh, in, in the company and working with the company that are a little bit better at, uh, at boiling it down to a more succinct uh, storytelling. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really hard. Uh, you got to um, – uh, that's, that's probably one of our biggest hurdles and, and still one of the biggest things that we're trying to overcome is basically okay we got this this product it works well um our reviews have been absolutely fantastic uh you can check them out on amazon or or on our facebook page and even in it, it one of the most bizarre things i've noticed uh that's been very humbling for for us is uh people will give reviews on our ads and so i i think that is just a really neat thing that people are doing is where they go they see our ad they they have it already and they go oh i have this it's awesome i love mine i bought two um you know they just give us this awesome feedback and that's that's really humbling because you kind of get used to uh you know people only speaking up when things are bad you know right and, right and and so to see that type of reaction on a consistent basis, um, you know, is, is just really impressive to me. Yeah, I totally understand that. And it's funny when you go back and forth, when you get the negative criticism, it's sometimes hard to um, uh, not, not take it to heart 
so to speak, right? Because like the business is sort of almost, it's an extension of you, especially at this early stage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's super yeah. easy to get down on that feedback. And um, I know for myself, like if, if we've ever worked with someone or 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 just gotten negative feedback from a, from a brand or a partner or something like that, it's it's always like, it just utterly destroys your mood and not just because you know you're disappointed um that the product didn't meet their expectations but also because it's like you put your heart and soul into the thing and it's not quite there yet or whatever went wrong <laughs> yeah 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 no i i completely i i really do take it to heart and i i i work really hard you know personally to try to make it right one of our uh we we use a 3PL or have used a 3PL from the beginning um, to you know help um, warehouse and fulfill our product, and the the one we chose was just really bad. Uh, they they would put our product in these obnoxious sized uh, boxes with a ridiculous amount of packing material. And then sometimes they'd split the order and, oh, no. just, and then not tell me or the customer. And so the customer would get one product in some obnoxious large box and they'd come to me and be like, hey, what the heck? You're an outdoor company, all this wasteful stuff. And then you give me only one my order. What are you guys trying to pull over there? And it, right. and I 100% agree with them. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. I'm like, yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. So like, I didn't know it was happening. <laughs> I, yeah. So I spent a little bit of time like uh, you know, trying to pivot that way. It was a little bit harder than I anticipated. But as of actually uh, Monday this week, um, we finally made a pivot. And, you know, so far, so good. We, they allow us to select this type of packaging that's being sent out. So it's not wasteful. Uh, they're, they're shipping all the items in the same box. Um, it, they've, and so it, you know, it, it works out and, and hopefully a lot of those and the, uh, customers that had that negative experience with our, our, our shipping, they'll bear with us and, and hopefully they understand that, um, we're learning as we go in some sense and, and just trying our best to learn from those bad experiences and, and grow and make ourselves better. I didn't even think about the shipping using someone for fulfillment. I can only imagine like out of sight, out of mind, you're like, it's working. I haven't heard anything. So I <laughs> assume it's working. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and the, the first company was one of the biggest companies in the world. And, it, uh, they, there's some efficiencies there because the price was, you know, uh, right. But at the same time, uh, they did not seem to care. You know, I'd go to them and I'd say, Hey, uh, you're packaging, you're making us look really stupid. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they just wouldn't care. And, and, I, <laughs> and I'm okay. Well, uh, got to pivot. Uh, <laughs> so, you guys have all my inventory. I'm going to try to figure this out. <laughs> Man. Well, I guess that makes a lot of sense. I assume this was for a lot of your Amazon orders because we've ordered packages or I've ordered packages and I'm like one item shows up. And one, like, for example, we ordered um, memory cards uh, for our cameras 
and they're tiny, like they're they're literally like the size of quarters, and it showed up in a box that was like you think you ordered like uh like a like a like a uh, a seat or something, you know what I mean? Like something from like Wayfair, and you're just like, what's in this box? And you open it, and you're like, this little thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I uh, that that is the. the <laughs> They are the ones that were, uh, uh, but there's a lot of good, a lot of good things about working with them too. Uh, that one was just something that I wasn't able to compromise with because, yeah. uh, especially, you know, and that's something I didn't mention when we were talking about the, uh, development of product is once I got to a point where I understood it, Cause I didn't grow up understanding fibers. I understand, like I, I understand kind of the general science of uh, hydrology. Right. Um, I don't know everything there's to know about fibers, but as I, you know, started to understand it, understand the science of why bone dry was working. Uh, it wasn't good enough to have it just be functional. I wanted it to be eco-friendly as well. So I spent a lot of time looking and vetting through suppliers and I, uh, for the fabrics and, uh, you know, the, the fabrics are, uh, sustainable. Uh, well, the part of the fibers are made from sustainably sourced biodegradable, uh, fiber. Um, and then the rest are made from recycled plastic bottles. Um, Oh, that's and, so interesting. And so, yeah. And so the, and I wasn't really in love with the idea of having to use a polyester on the product, but there's some advantages of the, uh, just what you can do with the way it stretches and the way it holds the form. And so over, over alternative fibers that I could afford, um, you know, maybe the future as things change and, and, uh, we'll we'll be able to move around a little bit on that but uh but yeah so my my goal was okay if i have to do polyester then we're gonna we're gonna try to do it in the most eco-friendly way possible i mean at the end of the day you're making an outdoor product right so it's it's something to try and focus on for sure yeah i i'm a big believer that I, I think capitalism and uh, doing the right thing can coexist. You know, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think that, you know, you don't have to, you can, you can make choices with your business that are um, mindful. You, you, you can try to improve the world around you rather than try to tear it down and still make a buck. I think that's a great way to run a business. And I think there's more and more um, businesses coming out that sort of focus on that. You know, you see a lot of uh, B Corps and other sort of businesses that have some sort of mission focused piece to it, right? Where they're kind of marrying the traditional capitalism of building a business with some sort of social focus um, and mission, which I think really goes a long way. Um, in, in building a successful business. And I feel like one of the pioneers of that are obviously like Patagonia um, in the outdoor space. And I think it's it's really come a long way in the last, even just 10 years. 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's true, and I I, I think that for and I think that trickles down to like the the employee level too. I'm noticing a lot of uh, where the culture's better, but it's also you know we're we're trying to do business in a way where uh, everybody's being pulled up and everybody can benefit from from the way we do business and it's no it's not so uh, uh industrial i guess you know it, or it, it's it's being broken down quite a bit and uh you know what all the people at fossil outdoor you know we're it's compensated in the right way uh <laughs> we are a growing company so you know benefits are coming down in the future, but, you know, definitely trying to do everything in the most ethical way that we can, can imagine to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting sort of, uh, uh, process to go through as you grow to try and keep that sort of front and center of balancing a profitable growth, and then also focusing all of the things that are, are important whether it's um, employee on the employee side or even just sort of the business and product side, um, making sure that you sort of live up to your hopes and, and mission behind the brand. Um, and, and with that, uh, Everett, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of Fossil Outdoor. And um, for anyone listening to this, you should definitely um, check out Fossil Outdoor. I know uh, Matt and I have been using um, the uh uh, bone dry for a month, month and a half now <laughs> for all of our mountain biking. Um, and it, it's a great product. It's, I think it's going to uh, prevent me from having to buy a new bladder <laughs> like I've been yeah, doing yeah, over the last few years. <laughs> Every time I put it away for a few weeks and open it, I'm like, whew, that uh, <laughs> doesn't smell so good. Um, but yeah, Everett, I appreciate you coming on the, on the podcast and sharing your story. And I, I, I really am excited to see what you guys do in the future. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh. I appreciate it. And, you know, please, everyone check out our website uh, at Fossil Door is our Instagram and Twitter handle. If you want to follow along and see how we're we're innovating, uh, we're coming up with new stuff all the time uh, with this technology. Um, we already have a new one called Little Bone that uh, works for your soft flasks and, and smaller size hydration bladders and uh we're gonna like i said continue to uh, come up with ways to solve pain points in the outdoor experience if you enjoyed today's podcast episode then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to itunes and leave us a quick review this really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself and if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddy Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.